calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey, everybody. Uh, before we get started, just want to let you know about a few exciting developments. <laughs> first of all, we have our first ever live taping of a Buffering the Vampire Slayer episode. We're oh going to be doing my it word. in Los Angeles at the Nerd Melt showroom mm -hmm. on February 2nd at mm -hmm. 7 p.m. You can get tickets at nerdmeltla.com. And find out once and for all, are we actually this great at talking or are we really good at editing? Yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> a little editing humor for you. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, so come join us. It's going to be great. Next week, we'll probably tell you about some guests that are going to come. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Um, also, speaking of shows, to those of you who came out in New York City, in Brooklyn, to Union Hall uh, to see our first ever live show. We didn't do a live taping, per se. It wasn't a proper episode, but we did play through the songs. We had... A celebration of season one. A celebration of season one. We had some incredible guests come up and talk to us. Um, we had Slayerettes who yes. helped us with our music. Mm -hmm. um, and you can listen to that entire event now, totally free of charge. You go over to, drumroll please, our new Patreon page. Which, oh, I forgot to give you a drumroll. I'll try it again, Jenny. Okay. Drumroll please. <laughs> our new Patreon page. <laughs> <laughs> We have uh, set up a Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash bufferingcast. Um, if you don't know about Patreon, uh, don't be afraid. There will be a lot of free content there. It's a great place for artists and podcasters and all sorts of human beings to put all of their materials. And then there is bonus materials for those who donate at the dollar, five dollar, or ten dollar mark. You can find out all about that over there, or you can say, screw that, you guys, I just want to listen to the free episode. You can go on over, and you can just click the sound file right there and listen to it. Oh, yeah. Um, and you'll notice, as you're listening to the sound file, that there are some visual cues. For example, I made four videos of slow motion Cordelia. Um, those <laughs> are accessible. All of the visual elements are accessible for any Patreon donor level, a dollar or more. So if, yes. you, want, if you want the the full 360 experience. Yeah. You can also get that over at patreon.com slash bufferingcast. Yes, indeed. Speaking of music, holy smokes. Um, let me tell you something. Since last we spoke, our album, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, songs from season one, has become available on all digital platforms. Yeah. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it 
all over the digital Google land. Google Play. Yeah, Google Play. It's everywhere. You you can locate it wherever you please. <laughs> and uh, we encourage you to do that, and we hope you enjoy it. We also want to let you know that we have a handful. We did a second short run of CDs, and we have a handful of those left up on our website at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. If you click on store or shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you can order that CD. Uh, I think uh, we have a few left and then there won't be any more. Yep. <laughs> so that is good. Well said. Good math. Right? <laughs> well said, Jenny. There are some and then there will be none. That is exactly how that will work. Unless no one ever orders another one yep, ever they just again. Stop. That's true. And then we'll just have some CDs. Um, cool. Well, shall we get into it? Let's. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we usually talk about one episode of Buffy at a time in chronological order, Uh, but that's not what we're doing today. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. (laughs) And I'm Kristen Russo, and today we're doing a mailbag episode. Hooray! So we ended season one a few weeks ago. Sure did. And uh, we've been waking up every morning thinking, when are they going to put up another episode of this podcast? Mm. And here we are, finally, answering our own query. Right, 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 right. Uh, but before... I, I wrote a letter to Santa. I oh. was like, dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is more episodes <laughs> of Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Well, San- Santa was a little delayed, but... Well, some, he had a lot to take care of he recently. Yes, that's true. Um, so, so we're back, and we figured that the best way at this was um, next week, on the 11th, we'll be back with the very first episode of season two. Oh. You're not... Wow. Good thing you clarified that with a guh at the end, because I thought you were wolf howling. No, I wasn't ready to wolf howl. Um, But before we get there, we want to tackle some of the incredible emails that we've gotten over the season. Um, And in addition to talking about some of the emails we've received from all of you, some of you sent us your very favorite moments uh, from season one. So we're going to kind of crawl through all of that wonderful material and talk about it where talking is needed Mm. and listen where listening is needed. Mm. It's going to be... Just lovely. It sounds pretty great. I, I really, I think I did a good job selling it. I Yeah, I'm totally sold. I was not sold on this episode till right now. Perfect. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. So our very first email is from Paloma. Paloma says, Dear Jenny and Kristen, just got off of the buffering Halloween hangout. It was so cool. Thanks for answering my question and responding to some of my comments. Along with being a fan of Buffy since I was a 12-year-old lesbian, at age 24, I'm now a large fan of you guys too. Buffy was sort of my intro into the TV geek world. What was your guys' intros into whatever geeky worlds you are in? So I figured this would be a good place to start. Yes. Because like, how did you become the geek you are, Jenny? What was your entry point? Hmm. Well, I feel like um, there was a lot of, like, sci-fi movie viewing happening in my house. Like, as we've discussed privately, but not on the podcast, um, I was exposed to movies like Alien and Aliens at a Mm. probably too young of an age. (laughs) Um, But, like, that kind of, like, got into me. And when I was in elementary school, uh, I read a lot of comic books, which I think was kind of a thing that was passed down for my older brother. I read a lot of, like, Spider-Man and She-Hulk and Mm. X-Men. X-Men in particular, like, really has a lot of meaning for me. Um, Do you think that you would have had access to the comics if you didn't have an older brother? 
No. Well, I had a lot of like guy friends uh, who also were into comics, mm-hmm. but I but it started you know at home. Yeah. Um, and also my brother was really into D and D, so I read a lot of his like Forgotten Realms novels. Yeah. And um, was just generally like sort of pro dragon, pro <laughs> monster, pro alien. I age. I did not have any of that. I mean, I had like I read um, like the Chronicles of Narnia mm. um, as a kid and was super into that, but I didn't have anything around me that intrigued, like sort of like. Uh, tempted me to enter further into those worlds. Um, you know, I watched like the never ending story. So there were like some elements, but I didn't really recognize them as anything. And just like cool stories. Right, right. And then way later, like in my 20s, I watched Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, I really enjoy this. This was a very enjoyable thing for me. And then from Iron Man, I was like, oh, I guess I liked Iron Man. I should watch X-Men. Maybe I would like that too. And then it was over. Like, that was it for me. Because it really, I didn't understand before watching X-Men, I didn't understand why everyone was, like, I didn't understand geek culture. I didn't understand nerd culture. I didn't understand why people loved comics so much. I just thought it was like, well, it's cartoons and like fun and whatever. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. none of the larger underpinning messages and the importance of those messages was apparent to me at all. And then, of course, X-Men, as it did for you, I guess, mm-hmm. also earlier, just sort of, like, threw open the doors to, like, holy shit, we're talking about all this stuff right now in the context of this fantasy, this, you know, um, this, like, other world allows us to access things that we couldn't otherwise. Um, and then I, and then we started dating. And you were like, you have to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. And I was like, ugh. You're welcome. And now here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks, Paloma. Thanks for the question. Yeah. Um, okay, so next is an email from Daniel, who is commenting on, uh, earlier in the season, we, we discussed <laughs> uh, we discussed Giles' car, right? You had a few choice words about Giles' car, I Jenny. mean, it's a shit heap. Well, Daniel begs to differ. Okay. Daniel says, um, I listened to the mailbag episode. That's, that must have been where you first trashed Giles' car. Mm-hmm. And I did want to chime in on the lack of love and appreciation for Giles' lovely Citroen. Oh, oh, and thank you, Daniel. Gave me the way to pronounce it. Citroen car. Personally, I think it's the perfect vehicle for Giles. It fits him like the funky old Volvo fits the 1970s Detective Columbo or Lorelai Gilmore's Jeep suits her. The perfect vehicular reflection of the person. Giles drives a Model DS, which in French is pronounced DS. Thank you again, Daniel. The same as DS, which means goddess from Wikipedia. Wow. I mean, goddess, sourced from Wikipedia. <laughs> cool, no? Citrion's styling and engineering were known for their innovation and uniqueness. That racy aerodynamic profile anticipates cars that came along much later. Of course, French cars were never very successful in this country and were kind of a joke from a practical perspective. But if you had ever ridden in a Citrion and experienced its legendary suspension, I think you would have more love for mm. Giles' choice of vehicle. I would assert that Whedon totally nailed it when he gave Giles a Citrion, and I suggest in the future more admiration of the Gilesmobile <laughs> is in order. Sincerely, Daniel. Okay, listen, Daniel. Uh, so, Citroen, eh? Citroen. I said it wrong the whole time. Um, but I did a good job with my reading, I think. You did a tremendous job. Thank you. Much emotion. So, here's the thing. Um, Any thing of beauty can be left to uh, deterioration. 
And that's my, mm. that's what bums me out about Giles' car. I love the shape of it. And I Ooh. am a huge fan of smooth suspension. Kristen can attest. <laughs> for some reason, I feel like that could go in so many directions. <laughs> I, no, 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 no. Just for cars. But so... Oh, I have to interject mm-hmm. now, Jenny. Because you're saying that you are, are appreciative of what Daniel has given to us here, but you think Giles has held on to this car for too long. Or he's not taking care of it. Oh, well, what if he's taking... What if he... First of all, there's just so much in there. Because Giles is... He's so stressed out about busy. taking good care of... Well, no. I mean, I just oh, think... Buffy. He's... Right. And what if he's just had this car for so long? He loves this car, even mm-hmm. though it's falling apart. He wants to use this car. It means so much to him. Okay. That's a Giles character trait. <sighs> Yes, yes, yes. Admit defeat! I don't have to admit anything. <laughs> I love this email, Daniel. Yeah, this is a great email, Incredible. Daniel. Thank and, you. And we're going to have, like, so we're going to go back and forth, you know, doing some emails and some um, recordings from you all. But uh, I want to say that we have uh, three or four emails like this one where you have written in to tell us the most incredible information. Minutely detailed. Minutely detailed, organized in a beautiful fashion. Thoughtfully crafted. Yes. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I think this is an appropriate time to hop to this email um, from, uh, well, you'll say who it's from, Jenny, because it's kind of the point. Well, it's from Cordelia. Not Cordelia Chase, but a whole other Cordelia, if you can believe it. If you can believe it. Cordelia writes, hey there, love the show. As a Cordelia, I just wanted to thank you so much for the amazing Cordelia love theme, which I'm using as my alarm and is giving me goddamn life in these dark times. As both a Cordelia and a queer I very much appreciate any situation where I can hear cute girls talk about how much they love Cordelia. So thanks for that, too. Wow. Wow. What an email. An email from a real-life Cordelia. In the flesh. My flesh day, my day has been made. Also, we get, to get, we get called cute girls in the email. It's just a winner of an email all. We assume that, that's, that they meant us. Well, yeah, right? I mean, two I hope so. cute girls talk about how much they love Cordelia... I think that, I think that's us. Oh my gosh. I know. It's pretty great. So to you, Cordelia, and to any other Cordelias. All the Cordelias out there. Yes. We love you. Cordelia land. You're perfect. As we mentioned earlier, we put out a call to you all uh, to send us voice memos where you talk about your favorite moment of season one. And we're going to listen to one now mm-hmm. from a person who wished to remain anonymous, uh, but urged <laughs> us to call them Ann Giles, which is, of course, the contraction of Angel and Giles. Which they actually called a portmanteau. Uh, some people are grown-ups with grown-up words. A portmanteau of the two characters. Is that I, how you pronounce that word? I don't know. That's how I hear it in my head. And, like, haven't you heard that said before? Portmanteau? I've definitely seen the word, but I don't know if I've ever heard it said. It. I would... My guess would be portman, portmanteau or something. I'm sorry, but, but I just did give that, give that to us one more time. <laughs> Our friend May Rude is going to like that. <laughs> Can you, can you give us your pronunciation again? I gotta go. I actually have to get going. <laughs> Let's see. Portmanteau. 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 Also, jeez. Portmanteau. 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 No, she emphasized Portmanteau. Man. Portmanteau. Portmanteau. 
Portmanteau. Either way, we love the... Anyway, we love that new word. We love that new word. And, and we love this voice memo. Yes, yeah, so let's listen to... Um, Ann Giles. Ann Giles. My favorite scene so far has to be when Angel and Buffy first kiss, and then Angel's face changes and reveals that he's a vampire. The first time I watched it, I was seeing it from Buffy's perspective and experiencing her shock when this beautiful intimate moment is suddenly shattered and she sees that this person who she has trusted and opened up to is what she assumes to be a vicious killer. Rewatching the episode after having watched all of Buffy and Angel, I saw it through Angel's eyes instead and I realized how scared he must be in this scene. He has all these feelings for Buffy, but has tried not to act on them, thinking that he could never be with her, and knowing that if she ever found out what he was, she would hate him and be disgusted by him. All of these fears come true as his face changes and she screams in horror. This scene really spoke to me because my sexuality has always been mixed up with complicated and scary feelings about BDSM and gender identity. For a long time, I was afraid of being intimate with partners because I thought that they'd be horrified or disgusted if they saw who I really was. Angels, you are so articulate. So articulate. And like what, I mean, this is kind of what we were touching on and we have touched on many times, but like what we were touching on a a little bit before with X-Men and, you know, how that was our gateway in and the things that these characters... um, let us know about each other and ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. that like we can see ourselves reflected in, I think the most important ways and holy shit. Like there's so much shame around this, right? There's so much shame around um, gender identity when it doesn't line up with um, Mm -hmm. what the world says that it's supposed to line up with. There's, there's so much shame around, um, you know, sex that is not vanilla. Right. Right. Um, For many of us, you know, I think maybe there's some of us that escape that, um, net of shame, <laughs> but I, I, but I do think that the, the majority of us are told, you know, this is right and this is wrong, this is good and this is bad. Um, and so Ann Giles here, um, I think this is, I just think it's so powerful, like yeah. seeing yourself reflected in a character in a way that lets you feel, um, seen and also like makes you dig deeper. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, speaking of digging deeper, <laughs> So we're recording in a different location than usual. We're in Brooklyn still recording this. And so we're just recording it. You'll probably notice an audio difference as well because we're just recording it um, on either an iPhone or a Zoom. We'll see which one comes out better. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are also in an apartment with a wonderful cat named Vega. But he is mouthy. He's very mouthy. Can we hear a little bit from Vega? Yeah, let's let's play back Vega from before. What's up, Vega? Really? Great. So, but also on the flip side, we're in an apartment that is uh, equipped with a recording studio. So Vega is now behind two panes of glass, meowing at the top of his lungs. But you can't, but we can't hear him. He's very mad. He's like, I have a lot to say about being seen in fantasy and horror. And it's really funny to see a cat meow at their hardest when you can't hear anything coming out of their tiny cat mouth. It's kind of sad. (laughs) He'll be fine. (laughs) Anyway... Anyway, back to you, Ann Giles. Um, sorry, Jenny, were you saying something? That... Who can tell? Well, do you have anything else you'd like to say? I mean, I just thought it was so great. And also, I can't... Ann Giles, if you just said that without writing it down and then reading it out loud, I am floored. 
that was just so beautiful. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And thank you for sharing it with us and with all of our listeners. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who have similar feelings about this or who didn't even make the connection and just made the connection for themselves now, which is why art is cool. Yes. (laughs) Well said. Essay by Kristen Russo, who does not know how to pronounce portmanteau. I think you just did it. No, I did. Oh, Speaking of things that we are made to feel shameful of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being a woman is one of them. Yes. And the reason I bring this up is to bring us to a very important piece of information, which is over the holiday, we received some gifts. Actually, I think there are more gifts that are waiting for us at home that we have not uh, gotten to yet. The gifts that we received before we left for the holidays were incredible. And one of them we posted online. Well, actually, we posted several of them online. But one of the ones that we posted online was a collection of chocolate from a place. How do you pronounce it? Lagusta's. Lagusta's Luscious. Lagusta's Luscious in New Paltz, New York. They sent us a custom-made set of chocolates. Um, If you haven't seen it yet, you can go on our Facebook or um, to our Twitter. Uh, Both are just at BufferingCast. And you can see a picture of these chocolates. Um, Along with those chocolates... Beautiful and delicious. Delicious. By the way, the collected set was um, a chocolate vampire, Mm -hmm. a chocolate aorta, I mean, a chocolate heart with... Anatomical heart. Anatomical heart. Um, A chocolate skull. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and a chocolate vulva. Yes. Because good of good measure. Because of the, the patriarchy. Right. And so it, it, along with these chocolates came a mug. And the mug says, kill your local misogynist. <laughs> it is just a white mug with black text. You can see it also on our socials. It is my favorite thing in the world. I don't let Jenny use it. So this is from one of the chocolatiers uh, whose name is Kate. Kate has made this mug. It is for sale. And it's incredible because the mug is amazing. Um, Obviously, kill your local misogynist. That's pretty great. Um, In her initial note to us, Kate said the only people who didn't like the mug were misogynists and moms, (laughs) which I really liked. Moms are like, but why would you say to kill somebody? You know, it's my universal mom. And misogynists are like, um... (laughs) misogynists are like, you don't deserve to speak. You're a woman. Um, So anyhow, everyone else who will be just as delighted with this mug, I believe, as we are, um, can get one by just going to teamkate.storeenvy.com. And what's fucking awesome about this is that not only do you get an awesome mug, but all of the proceeds from the sale of this mug go to the Sylvia Rivera Law Project and the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yes. Just come on, you know, just the best. So I'm going to be buying these Kill Your Local Misogynist mugs for everyone I know. (laughs) I suggest you do the same. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Kate, for gifting us our first one. And um, thank you, Kate and Adrian. Uh, at Lagusta's for that incredible chocolate. Wow, seriously. Uh, so thought out. Mm-hmm. So incredible and totally gone. Because yes. So eaten. We ate it all. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. So next we've got another voice memo coming in from Anna in Green Bay uh, about I Robot You Jane. Yes. And um, I mean, she really speaks well for herself, so I should just let her talk. Hi, this is Anna from Green Bay, Wisconsin. My favorite moment is in episode eight I, Robot, You, Jane. I love the part where Giles tries to explain the demon in the internet to Jenny Callender, only to have her say, I know, and explain how she is a techno-pagan. Giles gets adorably flustered while Jenny gives off some awesome 90s-style hacker vibes. I was totally a teenage techno-pagan back in the late 90s, and this scene brings back so many great memories of hanging around in online Wicca message boards, my early attempts at computer programming, and even a small crush on my high school computer science teacher. 
I just wish I had watched this show when it aired. It would have meant so much to me back then. Ah, I was a teenage techno pagan. <laughs> That's please, Anna. If you write a memoir, let that be the title. Please let that be the title. How great is everyone? Everyone is so great. Everyone did such a great job with their emails and their voice memos and their favorite moments from season one and their techno pagan range. Uh, so good. Were you big on like uh, message boards and stuff? Uh, well, I was very active in the alternative music chat room. I don't know what. What like, was I don't know your was under an umbrella. username? I think my username was Gen X, like J E N N X. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you. Gen Thanks for your support. X. I feel like the last person I told this to was like, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Who was that person? Ooh, I think it was Matt Myra. <laughs> nice, Matt Myra. <laughs> It's the best thing I've ever heard. Well, so. the, that's the if only we, way you guys are different. If we ever get Matt on our show, we'll... We'll, we'll have to grill him We'll argue. This. Matt and I will have a head-to-head Oh, but them. then he said what his first username was, and it was really good, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, well. In a future episode to come. <laughs> we'll have to remember to ask Matt those questions. Um, so, yeah. And I my username, my first username was very boring. It doesn't have was any... Was it like... Kristen? It was Chris3918 because my best friends had gone away to college and the last four digits of my best friend's SUNY Oswego phone number was 3918. And like, to give me a little credit, in the 1990s when you were creating a username, you didn't realize that you would have it forever. You know what I mean? That like, yeah, yeah, Chris3918 would, would become my like moniker. Moniker? Sure. For nearly a lifetime. <laughs> so uh, I was just like, Chris, and these numbers I call all the time, 3918. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. But, but I wasn't very active. I mean, I would like go in AOL chat rooms, but I didn't have like, pay, you know, pages and stuff until MySpace came along. Mm. Um, but I was still very confused about MySpace. Whatever that guy's name was, that was everybody's Tom? friend. Tom. Everybody's I, friend. Oh, I didn't know. And I was like, see, I, rem- I don't remember who told me to go on it. Uh, but I, I went on it and I was like, you see, I've been on this thing for one second. I already have some weirdo that I don't know who's oh my God. friended me. You didn't realize that he was no, MySpace? No, I didn't know. Wow. Anyway, but I did get heavy into um, illegal music. Da- well, legal, but illegal music downloads. Legal but illegal? I mean, like, I think that Napster was probably always kind of illegal, but it wasn't, like, there were no regulations on it when Napster first Mm. came on the scene. Like, as a kid, I mean, you must have gone through this, too. Like, I didn't know that what I was doing was wrong. I was just like... I never downloaded music illegally. Really? I have never. Because because you're a musician and you were aware from the start? Um, No, because I was like, why would I... Like, I was really into collecting Oh, like albums. physical copies so, like, of stuff. And, uh, like, I just wasn't, um, expo- like, I was more interested in just getting the records and listening to them. Right. And, and not, in- like, I was like, why would you ever just want to have, like, a digital file of music when you could have a CD? Oh, my. Yeah, that's me. Good old Gen X strikes <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> Um, well, I did. I, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Gross. I still think it's gross. Well, I mean, now we have more. I, I think you need to take a deep <laughs> fucking breath. <laughs> I'm entitled to my opinions and I'll breathe when I but want. But your opinion is very judgy of Kristen Russo 1998 no. right now. No, 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 no. You're like, I never did that and I would never do it and I find it <laughs> disgusting. And then you spit on the floor. I did spit on the floor. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, 
you know, before I had awareness of like music and the craft of music, it was just like, holy shit, I can like download all this stuff and I can listen to all this new stuff. It was so awesome. Mm -hmm. And I learned about so much music through it. And then it was like, Napster is actually illegal. And we were all like, skirk. Yeah. And Metallica was like, where's our money? When? (laughs) Wow. I mean... So much judgment from all angles yeah. coming from Gen X yeah. over in the corner. I gotta be me. Well, thank you, Anna. That thank you great. for your wonderful voicemail. Um, we actually, speaking of uh, emails that have a lot of fantastic information in them, uh, relatedly to this iRobot You Jane episode. Oh my God, this is really... Do you want to set this set this up, set the stage for why this email got sent to so us? So you may recall... Uh, a- in the cold open of I, Robot, You, Jane, we see Thelonious Monk. We see a monk named Thelonious speaking Italian. Um, and we also see Moloch speaking Italian. And we see his his uh, acolyte speaking Italian. And uh, we were talking about, like, is this... Is it Italian? Italian? Yeah. Is this, like, time-era appropriate Italian? Or, like, what's the deal? So we got this incredibly informative uh, and exhaustively detailed email from Michaela, that is just really something. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to read a little chunk of it, I think. Yeah. Um, But the full, where I'm going to stop, it stops right before we get a line-by-line translation and conversation about that translation. It's incredible. It's it's a miracle. So we're going to put this up on our Facebook page today, which is just facebook.com slash bufferingcast with the full full translation because it is really special. Oh my God, it's Uh, so good. um, But let me give you just a little bit from, from Michaela here. Okay, so Michaela says, as an Italian major at university, I thought I'd tell you guys my useless rant about the Italian used in this scene, since no one else in my life is going to give a shit. (laughs) First (laughs) off, in 1418, no one would be speaking modern Italian. Modern Italian wasn't even a concept until much, much more recently, and even today, not everyone in Italy speaks the same Italian. What Moloch and the others in that scene were using was modern Northern Italian, and even then, they weren't always using it right. (laughs) If this show were being historically accurate, they would more likely have been using the volgare, the common Latinate language used by the common and merchant classes at the time. It would have also had strong regional influences as the city of Cortona is in Tuscany. Also, for anything religious, they probably still would have been using Latin. Wow. Secondly, when the minion whose neck is broken is speaking to Moloch, he is using the two form. Anyone who has studied romance language knows that there are two ways of addressing people, formally and informally. This minion absolutely would not have been addressing someone he reveres so informally as to use the two. He would have used the lay, which would have been the formal form at the time. Moloch may have used the informal when speaking back, but the minion absolutely should not have been using it. That would be extremely disrespectful, and from the scene, he did not seem to want to cause disrespect. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, this is amazing. It's amazing. So, Michaela, thank you. And for those of you who are as super fucking into this as we are, um, Michaela goes on to do a line by line you know, uh, dissection assessment. of Moloch's words and the minion's words, and like just. Oh, it's just great. So go over to our Facebook page today. Um, it'll be um, one of the most recent posts, if not the most recent post. Yeah. We'll have this full analysis God, from Michaela. It's so amazing. Uh, disclaimer, I'm but a humble fourth semester Italian student. Like, you're doing great, Michaela. Much better than anybody in this room, for yes. sure. Yes. Oh, Holy thank you. Thank smokes. you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Michaela. So next we have the shortest email ever from Jeff. Yes, we went from the longest email to the shortest email. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Sharp relief. 
And Jeff says, I literally just thought of this and decided to send it your way. Buffy's high school is the same one they used for Beverly Hills 90210. No idea if you guys knew that or not. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, that's Torrance High School, right? Yes, it is Torrance High School in California, a place where Jenny and I will in, in, indubitably be. What does indubitably mean? Uh, I think that's right. I think you're using it the way you mean to use it. I think. My brain is so weird, you guys. Like, it has words in it that it'll just throw out. And it's like, I think this goes here. But but if you said, what does indubitably mean? I'm like, no idea. I just think contextually it would fit in that sentence. Yeah, I think it means like death. Un- undoubtedly is, is how that's, I have it. Yeah, indubitably. yeah, yeah. That right. Let's not look it up. Let's just let this yeah, go. Yeah, that's Kristen's uh, new segment <laughs> called Kristen Makes Up Definitions to Words. Um, cool. So, yeah, we will, I'm sure be going to Torrance High School at some point to do something fun. And there will be photographic evidence. Also, if for any reason you are listening to this podcast and you went to Torrance High School back in the heyday. Please email us. Please email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com because we would love to talk to you about your experiences at Torrance High School. Please. Home of Brenda and Brandon, Angel and Buffy. I don't know if Angel ever. Well, I guess he hangs out at the library. He hangs out. Yeah, he's perfect. Perfect. Anyway, thank you, Jeff, for this. I'm sure many of you knew this already, but I did not know this. And and so I'm sure that the Christians of the world (laughs) who are looking up indubitably (laughs) did not know this either. So y'all get to learn a little something. Um, We have an email from Kenneth. Uh, who says, this is, now this is sent to us to give you some context, the morning of November 9th. Um, that was actually... 2016. Yes. That's right, it's true. When the sound file is in space. Yeah. They'll be like, if only they had let us know. Mm. Um, okay, so I just got so distracted thinking about them saying, like, hearing us call them out on being excited about the year and then (laughs) laughing at us. So, So, it's fine. Kenneth emails us um, the morning after the 2016 election uh, and the morning of, of our iRobot Jane episode where we put a little pre-roll in. Yeah, we just uh, put a little message up front because we felt very sad and uh, very scared and we felt like a lot of you might be feeling that way and we wanted to share something with you that might feel a little hopeful. Yeah. So we shared uh, a quote from a later episode of Buffy and um right and so yeah and so then kenneth wrote in and said um you know that waking up this morning was unreal uh i got one hour and 13 minutes of peace today while i was listening to today's episode of buffering thank you for giving me something funny and positive thank you for giving me something awesome about something i love i'm so thankful for your podcast the work that you do with the lgbt community and that you are strong proud women i hope if i have a daughter she has the same strength and pride And this last bit is why I want to read this email the most. I'm going to use this as inspiration and go to my local city council meeting tonight. Hopefully I can start the changes I want to see in the world. All the best, Kenneth. Oh, no. Are you crying? Not quite. Is it because I did such a good reading of something you had already read that it hit you in a whole new way? Yes. This is just like everything, right? You know, where this show exists and it forms this space where we all get to say, like, we we like this thing. Mm -hmm. Let's get together and, like, sit in this space together and Mm -hmm. talk about this thing together and love this thing together. And then bad shit happens and we're in this space together and we get to kind of, like, turn over shit in our hands and say, like, well, I can use this piece from this space to, like, help me. Or I can use this piece or, like, listen to what that person is doing with this space 
that that helps me navigate this thing. And I don't, I could not dream up a more powerful, um, you know, end results. Not that it's the end, but you know what I mean. In yeah. this, in this arc, then you standing up and saying, I need to do more. I'm going to go to this local government meeting and participate. I mean, because that is, that's everything. And so often I think, not to get all politicky, but I think so often in politics, we think about the biggest votes, right? Like, I'm going to vote for the president. I'm going to vote for the vice president. I'm going to vote for senators. Those are all important votes, certainly. But um, a lot of us neglect to participate at the local level. And um, what we set down at the local level often is the current that pushes the larger stream. Mm -hmm. So um, all the thanks to you, Kenneth, for participating. And all the love to the rest of you out there who are searching out ways to get involved. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a great way to get involved with your local government. Um, Super powerful stuff. Um, But I also think that there's a ton of ways that you can give back right now, Um, whether it is going to that local city council meeting, volunteering, or like creating a piece of music that you share with the world. You know, there's so many different avenues. Oh, I could do that one. You can do that one? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Okay, so um, let's go to another recording now from um, Scott in Philadelphia, who uh, has some stuff to say about Cordelia. Mm. You know you're going to get played on the show when you got Cordelia commentary. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Scott from Philadelphia. I happened upon Buffy as the show began, so all of my first impressions were my own. And I remember loving the show for its cleverness and its wit, but I do recall when I first saw the Nightmares episode, 
really being hit by Cordelia's speech. When she talked about being alone, even when she was surrounded by people, it reminded me how deep the show could be and how it was always going to flip expectations and show you a different side. Cordelia wasn't just the queen bitch. She was a person and she had depth and a point of view. And that's why I loved that moment. And it remains my favorite moment from season one. Yes. Yes. Yes, Scott from Philly. You are right on. You got it. You got it. You really got it. Nailed it. And you know who nailed else nailed it? Hammer. Cordelia. Uh, accurate. Yes. Um, totally agree. Totally why I love Cordelia. Totally why I love Joss Whedon. Love to see this vulnerability shining uh, through the cracks. Yes. In her carefully constructed facade. Because it exists in all... I mean, you know, nobody's just... One thing. Right. Nobody's just one thing. Um, certainly none of the characters in... Buffy the Vampire Slayer are just one thing, right? No, I was I, I was gonna th- I was gonna say except for maybe the master, but like you know what? Damn it! Even the no, master is yeah. certainly not just one. He's thing. evil, but he's also kind of a like tap dancer. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so thank you so much for that. Okay. So next we have my favorite email of all time. Wow. Is that too much? Can I read this? Yeah. This email comes from Herky. The subject is. Daddy long legs, exclamation point. And Herky says, Hey friends, knowing how nerds are on the internet, I figure you've already received possibly hundreds of notes regarding this, since I'm a little late on listening. But just in case you haven't, I thought this was something worth pointing out. In Nightmares, you discuss spiders and how one should never be okay with them crawling on you, except for possibly daddy long legs. First of all, I feel confident that I never said that was okay. (laughs) Once the conversation started focusing on them, I immediately thought, Please don't say they are the most poisonous spider. Please don't say they are the most poisonous spider. And then, Jenny, it happened. Me? (laughs) You. It's okay. It's not your fault. This is a widely spread myth that somehow has reached so many over the years that most just accept it as fact. However, this is very far from the truth. Daddy long legs are harmless, not because they don't have fangs that can pierce your skin, but because they don't have fangs or venom at all. In fact, they're not even in the same species as regular spiders, which is why they don't have eight eyes, and they have just a single body rather than a separated abdomen and cephalothorax like spiders generally do, of course. (laughs) Much like scorpions or mites, they're arachnids, but not spiders. (laughs) Then a link to an in-depth rundown, (laughs) but I feel like this was already an in-depth rundown. Uh, Yeah. Sorry for science nerding out on y'all, though I'm sure Jenny can appreciate some good science learning out every once in a while. Stay mm-hmm. groovy. Herky, thank you. Herky for the greatest email of all time. Okay. So rounding the bend here to our last voice memo. Wow. Um, I know. I know. It's gone no, so quickly. It went so, so it fast. Did. Um, we got a, a recording from Vanessa, who actually is also from Philly. Two, yeah, what's up with Philly? Two Philadelphia. Y'all holding it down. Yeah, two Philadelphia Should we go to Philly? Entries. Maybe we should go to Philly. All right. Um, everybody in Philly just got very excited. (laughs) Future plans, TK, TK. Um, okay, so Vanessa from Philly talks about, um, Prophecy Girl. Mm. So let's just shut up and listen to Vanessa, (laughs) Hello, my name is Vanessa. I'm calling in from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and my thoughts on the first season of Buffy, um, not really a fan of it. (laughs) Um, it's always a little hard for me to get through. But it's totally worth it when I get to Prophecy Girl. 
because uh, one of my favorite moments in the entire series is when Buffy's having her confrontation with Giles and Angel, and she has her line, I'm 16, I don't want to die. I find it's the first moment in the series so far that has this real emotional weight and this rawness, and that's a big reason why I love Buffy so much, and I keep on coming back and rewatching it. Uh, and it's also the first time you get to see Sarah Michelle Gellar really act, and you get to see her do what she does best, and that is rip your heart out and it's only the beginning um but thank you Kristen thank you Jenny for an awesome podcast and I can't wait for season two you know I love this and like obviously we chose to round the bend to the ending with this one because it is from Prophecy Girl but it's also I think pretty great because of how Vanessa you talk about the fact that you don't even really like season one um because <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of people feel like that yeah a lot we of, feel that right I mean I turns out it's fine it's uh, great I, I'm into it but I, but also my relationship to it is so different I think than most people's mm-hmm. um But I think that everybody understands what you're saying here. Um, And I had that moment watching Prophecy Girl where I was all of a sudden like, I remember. Yeah. I forgot and I remember now Mm -hmm. what this series can do and what Buffy can do and what my emotions will soon do. I just want to stop for one second and give everybody a cat update. The cat is now standing on two back legs, tapping his paws (laughs) on the glass because... He's, Pardon me. He seemed to have forgotten. He's concerned. Um, we'll try to get a picture of Vega for you <laughs> so you can see Vega. Anyhow, um, I I really so identify with everything that you're that you're saying, Vanessa. And um, and oh my gosh, because the next episode we will be talking about is our entry point into season two, mm-hmm. where I think we start to get more, you know, many more moments like this one that are so real and so gutting. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's it's really just like the door has been cracked. Is there a thing, Jenny, about season two that is not a spoiler, but like perhaps a character or whatever that, that you're most excited? There are just so many peaks and valleys. It is a big, sexy roller coaster, and it is going <laughs> to fuck you up if you haven't seen it before. Oh, if you haven't seen it before. Holy shit. Buckle up. Buckle up. Please buckle up for safety. Yes, for safety. Um, Great. Wow. Well, I think we did it. We really did. Thank you to all of you who sent in emails. Thank you to all of you who sent in voice memos. Thank you so much. Um, If you want to email us at any point, you always can do that at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. We want you to know that we do our best to read all of the emails. We don't always get to all of them, but we see them all and we respond to as many as we can. Mm -hmm. Uh, We definitely appreciate them. Oh my God, yes. Keep them coming. Thank you. You can also find us on Twitter at BufferingCast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BufferingCast. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much for listening yeah. to this mailbag episode. Thank Very you. special mm-hmm. mailbag and celebration of season one episode. You are delightful. We are so happy to be back. And we cannot wait for next week when we return ah, season with two. our season two debut episode. Oh, my gosh. Which I believe the episode is called When She Was Bad. Yes. yes Can't I wait to find right. out. What happened when she was bad? (laughs) Um, Just a reminder, if you want to check out our Union Hall show, you can do that over at patreon.com forward slash buffering cast. You can also find our season one album, Buffering the Vampire Slayer songs from season one, all over uh, your favorite digital platforms, Mm -hmm. iTunes, Spotify, wherever. 
And you can also order a CD while they while supplies last oh my over at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Yeah. Uh, and if you're in the Los Angeles area, come out on February 2nd and see our show at the Nerd Melt showroom. You can find out all about that at nerdmeltla.com. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and it has been my pleasure to serve you. And I, I imagine it will continue to be my pleasure to continue to serve you. What a delight. You can learn more about me at jennyowenyoungs.com slash buffering. And you can find me on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. Yes, you are. And despite all that you hear, I am still married to this wonderful human being. How <laughs> dare you, sir? <laughs> oh, just kidding. You're great. Um, but you can find more about me um, over at my Twitter, which is Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Hope you got that. If you didn't, it's an audio file. You can go back and listen to it again. <laughs> Um, point. You can also find out about my work with LGBTQ young people and their families over at everyoneisgay.com or mykidisgay.com. And um, yeah. Oh my God. Jenny. Yeah. It's time for season two. <gasps> Deep breaths. Deep Head breaths. between the knees. Spike, 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 spike. Till next time. Oh. And Drusilla. Punch mouth, fruit punch mouth, fruit punch mouth. You got fruit punch mouth. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.